don't be afraid to be completely different. Look at the market and say, how can I stand out? DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain What can digital marketing learn from traditional marketing strategies? How important is branding for online business? And what are some of the most effective business strategies for the online world? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask my special guest today, Josh Strovchinsky. Josh, welcome to DMR. Thanks for having me. Josh is the Managing Director of J Marketing, a marketing consultancy that works across traditional and digital business. He was named in the top 30 under 30 by the Australia Institute of Management. So Josh, I'm interested in that you work across both traditional and digital marketing strategies. Um, first of all, looking at traditional, what traditional marketing strategies are working particularly well for you at the moment? So David, my background is in strategic marketing. Right. And what I think we do badly in digital is that we focus heavily on the tactics. People say, how am I going to market my business? Oh, I'll do AdWords. Mm. Well, fine. That's a subset of marketing. That's advertising. But it doesn't really have a lot of strategy behind it. And what I found when, when I was working in the advertising industry, it was a lot of these businesses hadn't paid enough attention to the four Ps in the first place. So even if they had these great advertising tactics, they weren't ready to scale up or they, they didn't have things in place. So to answer your question directly, what's working for me? Things like look and feel, brand, the way people actually, when they come in contact with J Marketing, how does it make them feel? We invest really heavily in that and we've found that it pays huge dividends. The advertising is just something that sits on top. That's excellent um, advice, actually, if um, someone just thinks about that. The fact that um, business strategy is really at the heart of a, an exceptionally effective marketing campaign. It's it's not about the tactics, as you say. It's it's not about the nitty-gritty about how digital works. Um, it's, it's, it's real marketing, and um, conventional marketing needs to back up, um, I guess, whatever you do online. That's exactly right. I... Um... <clears throat> I was lucky enough to get invited to help develop a couple of digital marketing courses for universities here in Australia. Mm. What was really interesting, the first steering committee I sat on, we, uh, we sat in this room for, I don't know, a couple of weeks or however long it was, and we nutted out exactly what we thought graduates needed to know to walk into one of our digital agencies. And after all that time, we sat down, we looked at what we'd developed and we developed a traditional marketing course. Hadn't put any digital stuff into it whatsoever. Right, okay. So no online tactics, just all about um, conventional marketing thinking. Exactly right. What's the point of what you're doing? And how does it fit into, like you said, business strategy? Because at the end of the day, marketing really is just running a business. It's taking a holistic view of your your business, your competitors, the entire environment. And then with that information, you can apply, like I said, AdWords or SEO or digital tactics to suit that in 
Ironically, in our business, one of the things which is most effective is print media for us. But we would only know that from a holistic, having a holistic view of the whole market. Okay, uh, so so uh, I mean, a couple of questions actually I've gleaned from that. But um, kind of print media to begin with, um, what particular type of print media is performing particularly well for you at the moment? We um, we're very ROI driven, so direct media is something I'm very very uh, a big fan of, and. What we've done is taken a niche position with a particular industry. So we went out and said, what do we need to know about these guys? We'll do a couple of jobs real cheap. This is some time ago now. And then we sent out, once we built up that competency, we sent out a whole heap of direct marketing letters to all of the businesses in this, this vertical right? saying, are you doing these things? Click through to our landing page. We'll give you a few questions to ask yourself. And if the answer is no, give us a call. You're not doing it properly. And we can roll this campaign out anytime. And we know leads will come flying through that we can close really quickly because we're the experts in that area. So do you think more and more businesses are actually forgetting about the effectiveness of offline marketing? Certainly. I think more to the point, though, it's not a question of, I know this will sound like I'm flogging a dead horse, but it's not whether they're forgetting about online or offline. Mm. It's that they're not taking time to do their homework in the first place. My, um, and also they don't dare to take a risk. I'm sure you're aware of who Tim Ferriss is. Yeah. Before One of my quick. heroes. Yeah. Absolutely. I got to meet him um, last year sometime. And one of the things he said that really resonated with me was, if you're doing things the way that everyone else is doing it, you're almost certainly doing it wrong. Hmm. And how many times do we see that in business? Oh, that guy is advertising on a billboard, so I'll advertise on a billboard. No, that's that's sheep mentality. That's terrible. If he's advertising on a billboard, you should be advertising on the pavement, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> and yet we don't. And that's that's where we really find our niche is that we find the space. It's, it's traditional gap analysis if you read the marketing books. Okay, and uh, you also um, obviously talked about um, conventional marketing having to be the backbone behind anything that you do online um, and the tactics sit on top of that. But in terms of a business implementing an effective online marketing campaign, um, can a business do the majority of the tactical work themselves um, with perhaps a little bit of consultancy assistance from an agency like yourselves? Or do you reckon that that, um, those kind of tactical activities are best done by an agency by themselves? It's, It's a really, it's a minefield of a question and it's a brilliant question. Were I a business listening to this, what would be going through my head is, yeah, can I just hire someone who's got some skills to really own this role? And the answer is, yeah, they can, but exactly what skills are they looking to buy in? I once got uh, a recruiter call me. This is when I was, I don't know, maybe three, four years into my agency career and offered me this great job for $100,000 a year. I said, great, what are the skills they need? He goes, right, they need a strategist. He's got to be able to write PHP code. He's got to be able to use Photoshop. 
He's also got to be able to code databases. And then he kept going and proceeded to tell me everything that an agency would do. Mm. Well, there's no one person that does all of that stuff. It's a combination of a whole heap of people. So in answering it for small and medium business, can one person be hired in to do the, actually do the strategy behind it? Yeah, of course. Can they implement it by themselves? No way. They're going to still be the coordinator that goes out and gets the developer, gets the designer, gets the guy who's an expert in, in mobile um, and just coordinates them. Okay, and um, over the last few years, um, Google has had more of a focus on trusting brands. Um, five years ago, just focusing on an SEO perspective, um, it was a lot easier to get pages ranked high on Google um, and you could build your own website with a keyword term as the domain name. Google are moving away from that completely now and um, starting to associate keywords with brands. Um, but of course, brands can do a lot more than that. Brands can um, build a reputation as meaning something special, um, representing a lot of things in a customer's mind, in a prospect's mind. Um, what are um, some of the essential facets, do you think, behind creating a really effective brand online? Mm, that's a, a power-packed question. Um, <laughs> a really effective brand online, I'll tell you what you can't invest in highly enough. You can never spend enough money in look and feel, content and user experience. Okay. Now, I'll tell you why I say this, right? Because, and I apologize to the listeners because we're always going to come back to the same points because they're always the points that are done worst in today's advertising world. Brand building. You talk to any uni student and what they've been beaten over the head with is that brand building is how many times I've seen that company's logo. Mm. It's not. It's, it's not even can I it, branding by the very core nature is what do I associate with when I see this. So if you're a big brand that's sort of established, yeah, sure, you can go into those uh, really high-level mass branding situations where, right, every time someone sees our ad, we're going to show a kitten, therefore people are going to associate it with us with cuteness. That represents 2% of the marketing out there. The other 98% of us, we have a website that no one's ever heard of. And so how do we establish, you mentioned the search engines, how do we establish trust with them and how do we establish initial trust with the consumer we give them a really good user experience. Um, we launched a website just recently for a guy. In all honesty, he works out of his garage, single guy, but he's taking on the corporate wine market. And the website, you can check it out, is www.oakroomwines.com.au. And if you look at it, this was done on a shoestring budget for him. But where the investment has been made is in the look and feel. It looks like a really big, powerful, trustable website. There's proof points on there. There's, we've thrown in the names of some of his clients who are big corporates. 
and you instantly feel, I can trust this brand. That is absolutely where people need to be paying their attention in, in building reputation because to bring the search engines back into it, they look at, uh, they look at what you do when you get onto the website. If it looks a bit tacky and rubbish, then the search engines, you'll bounce and the search engines will say, ah, no, nah, don't worry about this guy, he's rubbish. But if it looks professional and you feel like you really trust it, you stick on the site, you look at a few pages, Google will reward that as well. So build, what I'm saying is invest very heavily so that you look great for consumers and you'll get all the benefits of search engines and all the other things as a secondary bonus. Okay, so I mean, the great thing about online, of course, is that um, a small one-man operation or one-woman operation can make um, themselves look just as corporate, just as effective um, as a large company online. Um, now, what about positioning yourself, though, in terms of um, targeting your consumer? Um, are you of the belief that you have to define your one true customer and um, determine what their average ages, um, name them, and um, write down specifically who your target person is? Or can a brand target multiple different types of people? Oh, of course, a brand can target lots of different types of people. And one of the really cool things about digital is that it allows us to break what we're doing up into a lot of different pages. So actually, if you keep using that Oak Room Wines example, mm. you'll see we're actually targeting three sorts of consumers with that page. This was a large part of the strategy. In fact, I think there's a, um, if you look at our blog, there's a really good write-up on the strategy behind it. But they do corporate wine. Mm. They do fundraising. So, you know, the same way you sell chocolates, kids sell chocolates um, to raise money for fundraising. Mm. They do the same thing for wine. And then they also do like sales to people having weddings and those sort of functions, personal functions. So they're targeting, those are three very disparate groups of people and they're targeting them because they're able to advertise specifically to one group and drop them onto a landing page. They can separate it. The person that's going for the fundraising will never see the corporate wine side. So they can cater everything. They can change the marketing mix just for that person. <clears throat> and congruent with this, digital is, has allowed us something that we've never known before. It allows us really, really deep insight into the data behind why people make decisions. How exactly do they search Google? If we're selling cat food, what colors are most likely going to get people to interact with an ad compared to dog food. And so John Wanamaker said famously, I know 50% of my marketing budget is wasted. Mm. I just don't know which half. Nowadays, we do know. And we can make really, really sharp decisions which are going to have allow us to niche into lots of different groups of consumers. Right. 
I'm, I'm having a look at your Oak Room Wines website at the moment, actually, and it, it does indeed look very professional. Um, I've had a little look into it further, and I see that it's um, designed using WordPress, um, that you're using WooCommerce as well, and it's a nice, responsive website as well. So it obviously works effectively on tablets and mobile devices, so very nicely designed website there. Uh, do you tend to favour WordPress um, as your chosen CMS? Uh, CMS? Uh, look, it, it all depends on who the client is and what the budget is. Mm. WordPress <clears throat> WordPress at the moment, from my experience, is having a few cons- security concerns. Certainly lots of, uh, lots of people trying to hack it for various reasons, but we still really like it. If you were a bigger e-commerce store, then I'd be moving towards a platform like Magento. Mm. But... All of these things have their, have their drawbacks. So the simple answer is, yeah, we really like WordPress. We probably use that more than anything else. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's um, everything's got its pros and cons, obviously, but um, you can do things like ensuring that um, your um, updates are um, completely up to date, you know, um, all your um, latest versions of your CMS is installed. Um, where it's hosted is important. You can add a few plugins to, to add security to it as well. So um, there, there are easier targets when it comes to WordPress sites and there are, uh, are other sites that are managed properly and um, and, and more challenging to, um, to break into, for a better word. So, um, I, I mean, I'm, my feeling is that as, as long as if it's uh, kept up to date and you're using a few plugins to protect yourself and you're hosting it somewhere um, reliable, then um, you're, you're obviously diminishing the the, 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 the the chances of some kind of threat happening to your site. But it's, it's, um, it's a challenge that... Um, website owners obviously have to be aware of. That's right. My Look, my tip to anyone listening, if you are using WordPress or thinking about it, is make sure you have a developer who knows a bit about security mm. and then ask him only use, to use plugins that he absolutely, he or she, absolutely know. Because we've had a, a few customers now where we've picked up dogs with fleas, so to speak, <laughs> websites that, the owner just added whatever plugins they felt like because they looked like, looked good. Yeah, yeah. And those plugins had security holes in them, which then uh, perpetuated through the whole site. And we've spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to fix a site that cost him five thousand dollars to make in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, um, that, that's um, talking about WordPress, obviously, but I'd like to um, kind of segue a little bit um, towards the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing in general has been and where it's going. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your own business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? Okay, so obviously I run an agency. And I've got lots of different people with lots of different skills, um, all working on the same clients. And I've got to do all the client communication at the same time. Mm. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, someone's got to know all the conversations we're having. So we use uh, the project management software Basecamp, very, very well known in our industry and, and lots of others. And that allows us to have all of our client communication, internal communication, all in one single portal, and it's cheap. We run the whole agency on whatever it is, 
50 bucks a month or mm. something. Yeah. So it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And the other one I couldn't recommend highly enough is Zero, the accounting software. Right. That, that, that's one of the most um, popular software recommendations that um, people have discussed so far, actually. And, and Basecamp is commonly mentioned as well, actually. Um, so do you share Basecamp with your clients as well, then? Every client gets set up on Basecamp, mm. and we do all of our communication through that. So if I write a, a letter to to you, David, and I, I choose you, it sends you an email just as if I'd sent you a normal email. And all the client has to do is click reply on the email. I'll get an email back. That's fine. But more importantly, the whole communication thread is stored in Basecamp in one really easy to find place. And what I found when I moved to this probably four years or three, four years ago is that all of a sudden it cut out disputes and, dis- uh, and queries. If we ever had to go to court, for instance, not that we ever have, but if we had to, Everything's there in one place. It gets rid of all the disputes. The client can see what we're actually doing. It's absolutely masterful, and it's a lot better than a lot of the other programs that I trialed. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? (laughs) The very first time I tried to market a business online was way back when I worked for Fairfax, which for non-Australians is, uh, is a big newspaper company here that was trying to get into digital. Mm. And they just they set up a business specifically to do Google AdWords. This is, to be honest, this is where I got the idea for J Marketing that it needed to be more than just digital tactics, but we're talking about a long time ago now. And I simply thought that getting people through to a website no matter how you did it, was enough to generate sales and that you could just talk generically about your company. So I'll give you a great example that will be quite succinct and sum up my point. There was this chalet in New Zealand that I was advertising. It was about $5,000 a night, so really, really expensive down on the ski mountains, Mm. but it was deluxe. And we were advertising like everybody else. Great accommodation, beautiful views, luxury, getting all these clicks through to the site and absolutely no bookings. And after a little while and applying some standard marketing principles to it, I changed all of our creative to amazing chalet, $5,000 a night, sleeps eight. All of a sudden, the clicks through to the website dropped to like, I don't know, 10 a week. A click through rate was terrible. But of that 10, 50% of them booked there on the spot. So I learned to segment and to really think about the creative and do things differently. That's great advice there, certainly. Um, You don't often see Google AdWords with prices in them. And obviously... The slight, the additional challenge with that is that it can affect your click-through rate and with that it could affect your quality score and the position of the ad. However, if you're ultimately getting the business and you know the value of that ad, then you could afford to pay a lot more per click for that and get it higher. Um, so probably make it a lot more worthwhile for the business because of that. Exactly right. So moving on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Ready to rock. 
Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? Our one-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Uh, telephone number. Website or app? Website, definitely. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local. Yay! That's great. Um, ten definitive answers there and uh, no both, so that's nice to hear. <laughs> you got to be definitive. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure its success? I'll tell you what I would do. What I would be doing is investing, and we have a lot of these schemes, I'd be looking at a stunt we could pull. So this comes right back to the start of our our interview where we talked about standing out from the crowd. I absolutely love stunts. And I've actually got one lined up for um, just as the weather here in Melbourne starting to get a little bit warmer. One where I'm trying to think how I can set this up over, uh, over vocal means rather than I usually have a pad when I explain it to people. <laughs> Long story short, we have a thing in Australia with speed cameras. Um, you know, speed cameras on the roads, that's pretty global. Yep. Um, Where they're not signposting them at all. And the government, uh, really, it's a revenue-raising scheme. It's not slowing people down. Yeah. So it's quite a big topic here. And I've been sitting in this bar every Monday night after I go for a run for the last 10 years watching this speed camera go flash, 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 flash flashing everybody because it's a terribly signed road. It's supposed to be 40 k's an hour outside of school, mm. but it looks like it's a 60-kilometer zone. Right. It's just, just shocking. So we've got this great promotion lined up where I stand on one side of the traffic light with a big sandwich board over me that says, slow down, 40 kilometers an hour. And we invite some of the media down there to come and film me being all lovely to society. But that's not where the trick is. Where the trick is, is that on the other side of the road, and David, you can come down and wear this sandwich board for me, it says, if we just saved you $300 fine for speeding, donate to the charity at the lights. And another 50 metres up is another set of lights. It's a major set of lights where almost everyone gets caught um, or stuck at the lights waiting for them to turn. And we get a non-denominational charity set up at those lights collecting. Mm. Now, this does two things for us. It's, it's really good. So think about it in the context of PR. We're making the news. And this is the opportunity for us to stand up and say, guys, we get it. We think about marketing differently. We wanted to make these guys some money, this, this charity some money, but if we just did what everyone else is doing, we were going to get the same results everyone else is doing. And if you know anything about the charity sector, they're all doing terribly. Hmm. What we've done is we've offered, we've augmented the value offer. We're actually doing something for society. We're saying you won't get a $300 fine and all we want is a few shekels for this charity. Now, what that does for us is it's so different. Tell me the media won't write about that. 
Tell me charities won't see it and call us and say, hey, you guys are really thinking about things differently. It cuts through so many different ways. And how do we judge success of this? Well, for me, it's really simple. There's two ways. How many times does J Marketing get mentioned across news or digital channels? And did we get any charities sending us either thank yous or expressions of interest to come and work with us? It creates this huge foundation with which we can leverage into the future. And would it cost $10,000? No, but we're going to need a lot of volunteers. So I'd suggest we'll spend a lot of that on pizza and beers. <laughs> I think that's um, a great example there. Um, but in terms of your brand mentions that you might get in the national press, is there any effective way that you can potentially measure the value of that? Um, so we're kicking back now to the value of brand mentions. It's To me, that's a very old school way of doing things. Yeah. They used to have, um, this is one of my favorite jobs, I wish I'd, wish I'd been able to do it. They used to have people watching TV shows, like let's say the Super Bowl, and they would have people actually counting the amount of times McDonald's brand was seen in the background, Yeah. and then applying some arbitrary measure to the brand value of that. To me, that's absolute trash. Um, I don't, particularly for J Marketing, we are a boutique agency. I don't believe that anyone is associating values from having seen our banner or heard J Marketing somewhere. What I think it is, can do though, is it can be very operational. If someone's got a problem right now, and it's, we'll keep using that example from before, and it's how do I augment my value offer? J Marketing gets mentioned along with that case study of how they're doing it differently. Well, in that case, it does have a lot of value because we're going to get an instantaneous either phone call or inquiry, or they'll at least land on the website trying to investigate how they can solve their issue right now. So it's a very immediate sort of branding. My number one takeaway. Well, Josh, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? <laughs> oh, gosh, I feel like I'm flogging a dead horse now. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you what, my number one tip, and it's Tim Ferriss's number one tip, and look, I just, people are really, really scared of this, but do things differently. So, don't be afraid to be completely different. Look at the market and say, how can I stand out? One thing people don't do is just tell the damn truth. Like, hey, we sell printers and our printers don't really have that good a quality, but gee, we're cheap. <laughs> or the other way around, you know, hey, there's, you can, if you want an inkjet printer, you can definitely get a cheaper printer, but it won't be as good and the service won't be as good as us. Like that's a really compelling pitch. Um, I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine because he's fascinating. Guy that got in touch with me, much the same way you did, David. Um, his name's Sasha Daygame. And if you check him out on YouTube, he's a hoot. He's very funny. <laughs> his professional job, full-time, 365 days a year, he's a professional pickup coach. Think Hitch. Mm. Flies around the world and teaches men to meet women. And the irony of it is he's very, very good at it. 
he teaches exactly in life what I teach in business. And you know how he gets men to meet these beautiful women and find these beautiful brides? He teaches them just to be honest and to stand out from the crowd. If every other guy is in the bar sipping a cocktail, keeping to himself, trying to make eyes at a girl, he teaches his student just to walk up to them, say their value offer really clearly. Hi, I think you're beautiful. What's your name? <laughs> and he has an unbelievable strike rate because he's not looking to pick up every single woman in the bar. Mm. He's looking to find the one that's right for you. If you're a big gamer, find the gamer girl in the crowd and there's only one way you know whether that's the girl. You ask her. So translate that through to business. Do I want to, as a business, walk up to every consumer and say, hey, buy my product, buy my product? No. You want to find the one that is just right for your product. And then they're willing to pay more, bigger margin, and they're willing to buy readily. They'll be brand advocates. But you won't get to that place unless you're willing to be honest with them and really stand out from the crowd. That's my big tip. Something to think about. Well, that takes us to the um, end of our discussion today. And um, that's um, a lot of um, incredible information, tips, and um, just thought-provoking anecdotes that you've shared with us today. So thank you so much for that. Um, what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Okay. All the typical channels from a business perspective, please go to jmarketing.com.au. Uh, if you're interested in me personally, look me up on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I'm very, very open. I love hearing from people. And if you just want to chat, that's awesome. I love engaging in chats with anyone and everybody. So please come one, come all. Wonderful. Well, thanks again, Josh. Thanks so much, David. I've really enjoyed it. Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio,